Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. Writing a book, probably one of the hardest things you could ever do in your life. I've written a few books and I plan to write some more, but every time I think about the process, it makes me want to throw up because it is such a struggle. And I'm so thankful that, for example, with my book, Will It Fly?, I got connected with a guy named Azul who became my book coach. But writing is just part of it. What about the selling and the marketing and the promotional aspects? that should go along with the book writing process too. There are so many ways that you can promote a book and we've talked about a number of those ways in past episodes of the SPI podcast. We'll include links to all those shows from the past that talk about book marketing in the show notes page. But before that, we need to talk about something that's probably the most important but underrated, under-talked about, not even really something that people talk about until today thing that you need to do and focus on or else you might throttle your sales and we're going to be talking about amazon and specifically the page that your book is for sale on amazon because as brian cohen our special guest today says that's your sales page and it needs to be properly created to maximize the sales of your book and there's a lot of aspects to it from the cover art to the description and the reviews. And we're going to dive into a little bit of detail today about all of those things. So make sure you listen in because this is going to be a detailed episode for those of you who have books and those of you who have a book in you in the future, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, doesn't matter. This is going to be an important one. Let's do this. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he's got a shoebox full of business ideas that just aren't quite ready for him yet, Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here. Welcome to session 338 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. For all you book authors out there and future book authors, this is an episode you're definitely going to want to listen to. Now, if you haven't hit subscribe yet to subscribe to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, make sure you do that. If you don't know who I am, welcome. My name is Pat Flynn, and I'm here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. One of my favorite ways to do that for you is to bring experts on, like today's expert, Brian Cohen, who's been living in the author space, especially on Amazon, for such a long time. He helps 
thousands of authors in various ways. And we're going to talk about a lot of the ways that you can improve sales for your book or your future book, especially using the Amazon sales page. So we're just going to, let's just, let's just dive right in because this is, this stuff has to be talked about. So here he is, Brian Cohen. You can find him at bestpageforward.net. Also, he has a podcast called Sell More Books Show. Check it out. What's up, Brian? Thank you so much for coming on the SPA podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Pat. Excited to be here. I'm really excited too because a lot of us in the audience, we are authors and we write books and we want as many people to get those books as possible. And you have a lot of history and experience um, and have helped thousands of people do just that. And you have some very interesting specialties in that realm that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But before that, I'd love to know how you kind of got into what it is that you do today. Why don't you you give us the rundown really quick? Of course. Well, uh, much like you, I started with blogging. Uh, We actually started our blogs around the same time. You you kept up with it a little better than I did. (laughs) But uh, yeah, in, in 2008, I was blogging and I actually created a blog about writing, trying to give uh, tips to writers who were struggling. It was one of those meta things where I was a writer struggling myself and Mm -hmm. trying to stay motivated, get motivated. And one of the blog posts that I found got the most traffic was a series of creative writing prompts, just trying to get people past their writer's block, uh, open themselves up to being able to write what they really wanted to. And I said, oh, well, we're getting a lot of traffic here. Let's write as many of these posts as possible, which I know wouldn't necessarily work in 2018, but it, it did in 2008 to 2010. And then I heard around the grapevine you know, you can actually publish your books, uh, your content to Amazon as a book. And I wasn't making all that much money off the blog. So I said, let's try it. Let's let's give it a shot and put this book, these creative writing prompts on Amazon and see what happens. And the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) There's a little more to it than that. But I, I would say that it's always a, the a biggest challenge to write your first book, of course. I'm sure you found that. Uh, I'm sure uh, most people that I talk to say that their first book ends up taking five times longer than any of the other books they write. But by putting that content as a book on Amazon, I, I really just got hooked by the process. I sold a, a fair number of copies, ended up selling over 25,000 copies of that book. And yeah, that's amazing. I, I, I was pretty happy about it. <laughs> and uh, so I, I kept writing more books on writing prompts, eventually tried my hand at fiction, and then also wrote nonfiction books for other authors, for other people trying to market their work. And so many opportunities came from those books. It it was just so awesome that I was able to jump in kind of when the whole self-publishing thing was just getting started. Right. I remember that time too. And I had also heard about utilizing Amazon to publish your own eBooks. I had an eBook, as you know, that was published on my own site in the lead exam architecture space. And I had never gone into the Amazon world because I had built up this audience and whatnot uh, on my own site and I could 
charge a little bit more, but I would have loved to get on Amazon because there are so many things that I now know that can happen over there. Now, writing a book is a huge struggle. I know this from my own personal experience. A lot of you have likely already started to write a book or may already have one and know that this is the truth. But after that book is written, your work is not done yet. You're just starting the process of now you know, getting the word out there and selling it. And so how did you start your shift in, in your history from you know focusing on writing more books and writing prompts and, and helping authors in that way to now helping authors actually sell more books? Well, in around, uh, I would say 2014 or so, I ran a multi-author Facebook event of a bunch of different authors who wrote for other authors. And I learned so much from connecting with folks like uh, Steve Scott, uh, folks like who's a seven figure author now, and uh, Jim Kukrell, who now I've done a podcast with for the last four years on book marketing. And by seeing what everybody was doing, because there's a lot of different tactics out there, a lot of different tricks that maybe worked in 2012 that don't work so well in in 2018. And now that I follow that content every week, I can see where the industry is going. I can see what is working now and and what doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. But one of the big things that I needed to realize, and I think a lot of you guys out there might not understand this yourselves if you have a book or or you're putting a book out in the future is that your book listing on Amazon, on Apple, on Barnes and Noble, it is not a book listing, it is not a product description, it is not any of those things. Do you know what it is, Pat? It's a sales page essentially. It's a sales page. It yeah. is I am I am going to make a bold claim here. <laughs> I am going to say that your book's sales page on Amazon is probably the highest converting sales page in human history. Because Why do you say that? Amazon has the money. Amazon can test things. Amazon has tested things for over a decade, and it knows that it's color button that says buy now with one click it knows the psychology behind every single move it has made on its page and so by even just having a book on amazon you are tapping into the billion dollar brain structure of the people who created that very sales page Mm. that's a good point so by simply having your book on amazon is it going to do all the work for you sort of automatically It won't. And the reason it won't is because we have a tendency, even though Amazon's page is pretty amazing, we have a tendency to screw it up a little bit by making a few mistakes with our book when we're initially publishing it and some of the things that we actually can control on Amazon's sales page. You know, it's interesting when I was creating my book, Will It Fly, the as we'll call it, the Amazon sales page was like the last thing on my mind. You know, I just wanted to get it up on Amazon. I wanted to get the emails out. I wanted to get more marketing behind it. I wanted to run a contest to kind of get people interested. I wanted the book to do very well. And when you position 
that page on Amazon that sells our product, our book, as the sales page, I'm kind of like kicking myself now that I didn't even spend any time to really think about it. Yes, I wrote a description and I did my best and, you know, I made the book cover hopefully stand out. But is there anything more you can do? Yes, there there is, in fact. And uh, I think the the way you went about it, Pat, is probably the way 99% of people do, especially if it, it's a book for a specific topic that yours, of course, is connected to your brand mm-hmm. and your business. And so many authors out there, they're not writing uh, a, a novel every month. And I do know plenty of authors who uh, somehow are putting out a novel every single month. They're writing the book that is going to be a huge part of their business for the next three to five to 10 or more years. And they're ready to just run with it after, after it's published. But I would say there are four main criteria that you do have control over on your Amazon sales page that you need to pay attention to. And those are your cover, your title slash subtitle, the customer reviews you have on your page and your book description, your product description, whatever you would call it. Those are the four things you have the most control over. And those are the four things that authors, uh, especially first time authors, don't always think about when they're publishing. The title, the book image, the customer reviews in your product description. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're setting up a book on Amazon, I mean, you have a prompt to put in your title. You have the connection to the artwork for your book you have a little space to write a product description i mean those things are there for us already so in a way i mean amazon's helping us along but where are are most people falling behind with each of these things well when it comes to the cover i feel like the the 99 of people don't necessarily have some amazing graphic artist contact so they kind of find the most inexpensive way to do it, or they try to do it themselves, which in of itself is not necessarily the end of the world. Mm -hmm. But when you are creating a cover on, uh, on Amazon in particular, you aren't trying to just have the most unique image in the world. And you aren't trying to necessarily have have a cover that depicts scenes from your book or has a, a stock photo that is some exact image as you described it in your in your nonfiction book. It is something that needs to make sense as part of your genre. You can't just throw up a cover with with no context. That that's my big worry when people create a book cover or get a book cover commissioned is that they just say, Hey designer, can you show this picture of two people shaking hands since my book is about people making deals? And the the designer says, sure, I'll, I'll do it. They run with it. They send back the cover. The author approves it. And then it's up there and probably forever because people don't usually go back and change these things. But then as you start to look later on, at what are the best-selling books in that particular genre, you may notice that your cover looks different than all of the covers out there in your genre, and that can actually be a bad thing. Really? Okay, because in in most cases, people might assume, well, you want your book to stand out and 
be different, but why are you saying the opposite? There's a story I, I heard from the, the Power of Habit, I believe, by Charles Duhigg, where they're talking about the song Hey Ya uh, by Outkast. I have a feeling you're familiar, hey Pat. Ya. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to make you sing. That, then Thank you. My interview is a success. So I think that what they talked about with, with Hey Ya was that the song was so unique, it was so different than any of the other things on the radio, that even though it's a very catchy song, I enjoy it, I've sung it during karaoke before, people were turning off uh, their radio, they were changing the channel, they were going away from Hey Ya because it was too unique, it was too different. And if you have a book cover that is too unique, that is too different, that doesn't inspire a sense of familiarity with books that they think about when they think about that genre, that whether it be self-help, personal development, money management, whatever, they are going to change the channel. They are going to click on another book that they're more comfortable with. And I'm sure there's all sorts of psychology behind it. But that is the reason you want to make sure your cover doesn't look so different that people just straight up, hey, uh, change the channel. Hmm. Okay, so if I were to ask you how different it should be in a percentage fashion, (laughs) could you potentially give us an idea of what that might be? Here's what I'm going to say. I think that you should stay in the family of that genre for things like typography, what kind of, uh, you know, serif versus sans serif type thing. Uh, the, the color family, if, it, if all the books are orange-ish, you might want to stay orange-ish. And then I would say play around with the image a little bit. You can make the image yours, but I would keep it in the same placement that images tend to be on those covers. Now, I think some people out there would say, Brian, you're making me have to look exactly like these other covers. But when you're first starting out and you don't necessarily have a very defined brand yet, and you're just trying to make money or get some clients, get some referrals from your books, you want to make sure that your book is the kind of book that when readers are looking for an answer to a particular problem, Mm -hmm. they may pick up two other books and they pick up your book and your content is what really makes it stand out. Yeah, I would also imagine that the way Amazon works favors that as well. Um, because when you see the list of people who bought this book also bought this book or, you know, Amazon recommends these bundles, you know, if there's one that's so different and just kind of out there, it might deter people from making that purchase. Whereas people would be more likely and inclined to, you know, go into a group of books that might have the same kind of feel because they have that specific problem. Absolutely. And this is a little further down the line, but when you use advertising products like the ads that are native to Amazon, Amazon Marketing Services ads, Mm -hmm. it shows your cover front and center. And it's among a line of of other covers or it shows up in your search when you're searching books on Amazon. And if your cover looks like the kind of book that your reader would want to get, they might just one click straight through that and add it to their Kindle device. 
I like that. Okay, so the image is important. And, and, and why did you, was there a specific reason you talked about that first? It actually ties in with the ads a little bit. That's a great question because when you do some advertising, and I really do recommend Amazon ads because if you're going to have books on Amazon, you might as well advertise straight through Amazon uh, mm-hmm. while people are already on the on the biggest uh, buyer's search engine on the internet. If you have a ad front and center, it's going to be the cover that shows first. The cover is what they look at first. And when they actually get to your sales page, they don't even necessarily look at the cover that much. The cover is kind of what gets them there. Mm-hmm. And from there, the other three sales page criteria matter a lot more. Got it. Okay. So in addition to the cover, what would be the next thing that we can we can dive into a little bit? Perhaps the title would, would obviously be very important. And like is there a way to hack that or like is this when we're coming up with the idea for the book we have to think about the title and how it would be marketed should that should marketing affect what we believe the title of the book should be there's all these questions that are in my head around this so many questions so many try to answer them all to answer (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly so i'm happy to answer those when you are brainstorming a title for your book you might have this instinct to say you come up with this moment of inspiration in the shower right before bed. You've got that um, the notepad ready to, to fill out and you say, this is the title. I'm going to run with it. Mm-hmm. But when and I'm a copywriter by trade, I, I'm very I'm very in tuned or at least try to be to, to the impact of individual words and Possibly the most important words you write related to your book might just be your title and your subtitle because a reader does judge a book by its cover and its title. Mm -hmm. The title clues readers into what it is you are going to get out of that book, what kind of the the number one benefit or takeaway is. It's going to clue them into what kind of problem you're going to solve. And it's actually, as a, a, a blogger, a podcaster, Pat, you know the importance of title on search engine optimization. Yeah, for sure. And if you have a title that not only gets readers to read it and say, that's exactly the book I'm looking for to solve my particular problem, it also can get it a little bit of search juice, mostly on Google, to be honest, but but on Amazon itself, you can make sure that you have the best particular set of keywords and keyword phrases that relate to your genre. I'm wondering about Title versus subtitle, because when you mention keywords and things like that and benefits, you know, is it pretty common to have like a more creative title and then the subtitle kind of do all that work for you? Similar to, for example, Will It Fly? That doesn't really tell you anything about the concept or the topic of the book even. Is it a book about paper airplanes? Like, who knows? But when it's how to validate your business ideas so you don't waste your time and money... Uh, then it makes more sense. And because of the category it's in and where people will find it, you know, then it kind of does its job and it does its thing. Uh, title versus subtitle, 
do people is is that a common strategy and would you recommend it I always assumed Will It Fly was about the Wright brothers. Am I, am I wrong about that? <laughs> you are wrong about that. Although there's a lot of crossover, obviously, because I'm sure they went through a number of validation and experiments and to test to make sure that, yes, this thing was going to actually, you know, they, they took an iterative process to get there, which is what the book is about. But in your business, although the Wright brothers aren't even mentioned in the book itself. <laughs> Look at you taking my joke and making it all important for people (laughs) to listen to. I love that. Uh, This is a great question because I think Will It Fly is actually a perfect example because you can't necessarily tell what it is just from looking at the title specifically Mm -hmm. because it's it's creative. It's 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 an inspired title. It's a little vague which is why you had to kind of expand things in the subtitle. I don't have the subtitle handy. What is the subtitle of Will It Fly? How to test your next business idea so you don't waste your time and money. See, that's great. It shows the readers exactly what the book is in the subtitle. And one thing I see authors do from time to time, new authors or even established authors, they get a little too creative in both the title and the subtitle. And that means they that readers have no idea what it is that, that they're potentially getting into. So what I recommend, I, I, I got a few of my titles, I, I prepared them ahead of time, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> is uh, you've got kind of the simple title followed by a keyword-rich subtitle that really goes into the inner depths of it. So 1,000 creative writing prompts, Subtitle, Ideas for Blogs, Scripts, Stories, and More. How to Work for Yourself, Title. Subtitle, 100 Ways to Make the Time, Energy, and Priorities to Start a Business, Book, or Blog. And then, How to Write a Sizzling Synopsis, a Step-by-Step System for Enticing New Readers, Selling More Fiction, and Making Your Books Sound Good. So, with those titles, I kept it simple. And then the subtitle, I made sure I do not want a reader to have any confusion about what this book is if they've read the combination of the title and the subtitle. Right. Okay, perfect. That's that's really helpful. So it sounds like I did, I did that with Will It Fly and likely other books that might be coming out in the future. I like that because um, people can still call it Will It Fly who know about it, but then uh, it actually is something that with the subtitle, people can explain to others with too. What it, will it fly? What's that? Oh, it's about testing your next business idea um, so you don't waste your time and money. You know, kind of is what you want people to explain when people ask, well, what what does that title mean? And you did a great job with short branding on that one because it's easy to say, will it fly? When I have my book with how to write a sizzling synopsis, People just call it sizzling synopsis or sizzling. Uh, they 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 shorthand it a little bit. And so if you have a shorter title that's easy to just rattle off, then that is going to be helpful. And then focus, I, I would say, I, I think people aren't going to like when I give them extra work here to do here with their subtitle. I would recommend you sit down, pad a paper, open Word document, and you write out 15 to 20 different ideas as if you were uh, as if you were trying to brainstorm for an epic blog post title it's the mm-hmm. exact same kind of thing sit down write out the different titles and then 
I would recommend, because a book's going to be around a long time, you want to get this stuff right, you actually ask your target readers or your own existing email list, hey, which ones do you like? Why do you like them? It's a perfect survey opportunity. And you're going to learn so much from that just from sharing that potential title. Plus, you get an added bonus, which is that your readers, your subscribers feel as though they're a deeper part of the process and they're going to get more excited about the time when you are going to release that book. I like that. This is something that we've talked about on the podcast before related to the book marketing starting essentially as you are writing the book and as you're coming up with ideas and getting people involved ahead of time. We've had conversations with people about creating launch groups, creating little sort of focus groups that are you know this early in the process to kind of, like you said, really start to feel like they're, you know, involved and when they do that they're going to be more likely to share it and be and 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 want to help it out too so i i love that i'm um i I i'm so thankful you talked about that because for those of you who are thinking of starting of writing a book like the book marketing starts now uh and for those of you who already have a book i mean maybe um you know you can go back and maybe share updates about the next version of it or kind of the process of the book marketing that that's always really interesting too um at least in my audience but let's move on to the book description this is where i feel i dropped the ball initially before i used um, your services to help with getting the descriptions right for my books and i wanted to ask you how do we best approach writing the book description or the product description for maximum sales on our book amazon sales page that's a great question (laughs) so i would say that The thing that I see most authors try to do right away is they want to list every single takeaway you could possibly get from their book and turn it almost into this uh, bullet point fiesta of all of these potential things you could learn. It's almost like a table of contents in the description itself. And we live in a world where when your ideal reader is looking at that Amazon sales page, has decided this cover fits with the books they like, this title and subtitle fits with the kind of uh, problem they're trying to solve, Mm -hmm. they have seven internet tabs open where they have uh, sports scores on one and uh, and the, the latest Game of Thrones fan theory on the other. Their uh, kid is crying in the background. They have the TV on. They are not necessarily as focused on your book description as you'd like them to be. And so you do not want to give them information overload. You need to be boiling things down to their essence. You need to try to simplify a little bit because if you do not uh, make the effort to make it short, sweet, and to the point, they are going to X out of your tab and go back onto the million other distractions they have going on. Okay, so the product description after the work that the title does and the cover, obviously, to kind of grab that initial attention. I mean, where do we even start with this? Uh, This is, we're getting into copywriting 101 here, but... Specifically on Amazon, what's working best right now? 
Nothing wrong with copywriting 101. I, I love doing a little copywriting teaching. I think you start with the basics because authors uh, don't always think about this, but readers want to find a solution to a problem. So I love to start with a nice headline, a hook, a log line, whatever you want to call it. I like to start with what is the problem in the form of a question followed by what is the what is the solution? Is this book the solution? And obviously you <laughs> would want it to be the solution. So uh, are you struggling with crippling debt? Discover a five-step system to get your credit card balances down to zero. You want to say, I have uh, this problem I want to get solved and that this book is the solution. This is the answer to your questions. And even just by setting up a really strong hook like that in the beginning, we live in a, in a one-click Amazon world. Someone could say, this book sounds like it solves my problem and click the buy now button and they've already got your book. It's, it's there just from getting that hook right in the beginning of your description. That is the most important thing by far. The hook in the beginning. Yes. And this is, I mean, I mean, this can be carried over to the emails that you write, the sales copy that you have, what you say in the beginning of a podcast episode, the first time you go live with your audience, how you set them up to keep them there, all those kinds of things. But again, framing the Amazon page as a sales page, I think this is beginning to start to make sense to a lot of us. So after, after the hook, I mean, funny because you had mentioned like the whole fiesta of of things that this book is going to teach you i mean that's what i had and i thought that that was the way to go because people would find their specific problems there or kind of get a sense for what what's coming when they read the book and trying to get them excited um but the hook is important okay so what what might come next I like to follow the hook and and maybe other any other relevant questions like if we were on the the dead example it could be like do you feel like your 9 to 5 job is a prison you'll never pay for pay your way out of and and a couple more questions to expand but the real important next part is establishing your expertise I find so many descriptions for nonfiction books in particular, where the author makes no effort to share who he or she is. is. Are you an author of this book for any particular reason? Have you had experience in this area? If, if I don't see information like that, where I hear of the hundreds of people the author has taught this method to, or in your case, Pat, you'd say maybe how many uh, downloads of your podcast there are, the popular podcast host, mm -hmm. you'd have identifiers there that show that you're an expert on this area. If you don't have that information there, I have no idea why I should spend money on your book if I've never heard of you before. So that is the essential next step. That makes sense. What about accolades such as, you know, PhD in this or, you know, um, featured on this channel or, you know, those kinds of things? Is that worth putting in there as well? 
Absolutely. I, I would hi, I would stay back from information overload, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you wouldn't have the, if you have like seven PhDs and MFAs and whatnot, I wouldn't include all of that CPA. What, what's, what are the letters for an architect? Uh, there's AIA and there's, um, there, there's a bunch. It depends on kind of what realm you go down. There's the lead AP there. I mean, I've seen architects with literally like 40 additional uh, letters after their name, which is kind of overwhelming. Yeah, I w- certainly wouldn't put all that on a business card, and I wouldn't put all of it in this uh, expertise establishing section either. And you want to stay relevant. You you, you want to make sure that hey, if if this is a book about fitness, but you happen to have a MFA in in fine arts, probably not going to fit. But you could say. You are the creator of a popular blog that has hundreds of tho- that has helped hundreds of thousands of people learn about finances. That you should include, and that is going to sway a reader who's on the fence to starting to believe these things you put in your description. Got it. Okay, so we got the hook, and then we have some proof, and you know some you know making sure people know why we're we are the authors of this book and why they should trust us what comes what comes after that then we start to go about how we convey the information is this a book about anecdotes that that show a real life examples of of this system that you're showing off in 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 your nonfiction book is it about uh, lots of different tips and tricks that you're going to use essentially this is a synopsis of what how is the book framed what are you using in the book to convey this information and you go if, if you have the, in the hook that you've got a a five-step process to get out of debt you'd share a little bit about the process you don't have to spill all the beans here but you share that in this portion and it gets readers to know i I don't like using more than three sentences in the in this uh in this paragraph pack because i don't think you need to go into a huge amount of detail you just need to share what's in the book and why is it relevant to solving this problem question popped into my mind First person or third person? I'm a big fan of third person. The way I see it is that most readers feel as though the book description has probably been written by a publisher. Maybe we'll come to a time where that isn't the the uh, initial thought. So I would I would do this in the third person. Okay, I would agree with that too because it's essentially Amazon trying to convince a person that this is you know, a book to buy, in which case it's like almost Amazon speaking to them. You know, Pat Flynn is this person who has done this and this is this book that he has written that's going to help you X, Y, Z, so on so on and so forth. And I think, you know, it's kind of nice to know that you don't have to essentially write the entire book over again in the description and have, have it be, um, you know, like a long form sales page. You just need to say the right things. Uh, exactly what, exactly what how do we how do we finish off like i would have you know a good sales page has a call to action um do you do you recommend including like literally a call to action in the product description to go buy the book or does amazon in the environment that this book is in enough for that I'm a huge proponent of calls to action. We've, we know from thousands of people doing studies and whatnot that you have a, if you have a call to action in your sales page, it gets more people to, to click 
the buy button. I, I want to kind of go back to my uh, Target Raider with seven windows open and a bunch of things happening in real life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes they need a little guidance. I love to refer to it. I don't know if I heard this from someone else, probably, but I like to hold the the reader's hand all the way to the shopping cart. I like to say just kind of a command, buy this book to get this benefit today. Buy this book to schedule your next vacation today if you're getting out of debt or or whatever it is you're trying to do. Buy Will It Fly to test your new six-figure business today. I don't know. That might be a little salesy. But I just think that having that line right at the end where there's no confusion about what it is the reader needs to do next to start having these benefits is is just the best way to go, the best way to close things out. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of CTAs. Okay, I, li- I like that. Now, you, you actually have a service that helps people write these descriptions. This is how important this is. How many authors have you helped thus far through through that? So we we ran the numbers. Um, we started a few years ago with this, and we are now at over 1,200 descriptions that we have written for nonfiction, fiction, memoir, everything in between. And it's been an amazing process to see so many different stories and see so many different transformational books of advice and and help those sales pages to improve and get more people to buy those books. Yeah, I mean, this this is a really cool thing. The fact that you've narrowed down your business to service those authors who are in need and who want to sell more books, but to such a very specific part of the overall sales process. But it's obvious how important this is, as we've talked about, and it's cool that, that you do this for others because authors have obviously a lot of other things to do. If anybody in the audience wanted to explore the options to work with you to have you and your team help them with their product uh, with their product and book description where might they go so if you were interested in finding out more about how this whole book description process the done for you book description process works set up a little page at bestpageforward.net forward slash spi and you can learn more about what we do and find out if you have a book that you've already written and you want a new description on it or a new book that's coming out in the future, then we'll tell you all about it. Bestpageforward.net forward slash SPI. Thank you, Brian. You know, I've uh, utilized your services and I did see an uptick in sales just by simply changing the product description. You're so right when you say, you know, it is a sales page. And I think that hopefully people moving forward whether you have books yet or not, even if you have other kinds of products on Amazon, you need to really focus. Now, I think people who have physical products understand it because they are literally selling their physical product. But for whatever reason, we authors don't consider it like that. Uh, And I think that a lot of people now understand the importance of it. So whether you choose to uh, take advantage of Brian's services or not, uh, is it bestpageforward.com slash SPI? It's the .net. .net, okay. (laughs) Bestpageforward.net slash SPI. I'm glad we talked about that actually because I'm, I'm sure people wouldn't have thought about that. Um, okay, so to finish off really quick, customer reviews. And I'd love to have you speak on how we can best utilize this portion of our page, of our sales page. And do you have any tips, tricks, insights that we can we can benefit from? 
Absolutely. So there have been a lot of changes in Amazon's customer review policy over the years. Uh, a, a lot of those changes, though, have had to do with physical products, have had to do with uh, either fulfilled by Amazon or, or fulfilled by different stores, is that you cannot be incentivized for a for a customer review, Amazon has really started to crack down on that. But for books, you can still provide a book to a customer before the book is released. That is that policy has not changed as of right this moment. Amazon is okay with you providing review copies because. Let's face it, that's what all of traditional publishing does. They submit uh, books to the New York Times and whatnot. They Amazon can't get rid of that policy for books or books just wouldn't have reviews to, to use. So you can still give a book to a potential reader, a customer. So if you have a business and you have an email list, those are potential readers. Those are potential Reviewers. Now, someone might say that uh, if you provide your books for free to your active email list, to your customers, then you're not going to get those sales. And that is true. And you certainly don't have to give your book to everyone on your list for free. But if you get more reviews from your existing customers, your existing readers, your existing people, your tribe, then your book gets to start out with probably, you can't ask for positive reviews, but uh, probably you're going to get some positive reviews right off the bat. And that is going to increase your chances of getting strangers to buy your book, which is really where the scalability happens. And that gives you the social proof you need to really spread the word about your book in a big way. I would agree with that. I mean, I had created a launch group for my book, Will It Fly? And it is true. Like those people get free access to the manuscript and even review copies beforehand as well. You don't make those sales, but you do make up for them. And having those reviews, especially early on, is is really important. Now, do people who review your book on Amazon when receiving a early copy are they somebody who has to say or are they required to say, I received an early copy of this? Or is that something you'd recommend they say in their review? It's recommended that uh, readers do disclose that they received a, a review copy. But I will tell you, and this is a, a point of contention on, on the Selmore Book Show where we're reporting on news and, and, and whatnot in the industry – Amazon, what they want you to say changes from uh, month to month. It's it's a good idea to kind of check what people are disclosing on maybe other books in your genre, what the, the line is that they're using. I have received an early review copy of this book. I disclose this and this. Make sure that you know the most updated thing that, that readers are saying. And then I would advise you when you are connecting with your launch team, and having a launch team is such an amazingly great idea, is that you tell them what they should say just to make sure that you don't run afoul of Amazon. Okay. I, I like always taking the authentic and honest approach. And I think you know, another thing is I sometimes see books that just come out like today 
and they already have like a hundred reviews. And a lot of people question like, how is that possible? This must be fake. Like this, there's, this can't be real. But when a person discloses, I got an early copy of this. Well, then the review becomes more realistic, at least in my eyes. Honesty is always the best policy for sure. Yes. Okay, cool. Now we get reviews and then we get a negative review, like a bad one. Mm-hmm. one star perhaps now i know and i know this from personal experience but i know a number of people in the audience uh would freak out because we don't like to hear bad things about the hard work we put in into our books um, not all books are made for everybody so i would just say you know expect some people to not like your book um but how do we deal with that in terms of on the page because a negative review can have an effect on the sales of your book do you recommend any sort of action to take after that because we definitely can't delete them which even if you had the opportunity to do that that would just be wrong but how would you recommend handling a negative review uh, a negative review on your sales page first of all if you've gotten a one-star review congratulations because this is a rite of passage that every author must go through and I see on, on uh, beginner author groups, uh, all sorts of people just posting about their first one-star review saying, well, it looks like I've graduated into the club. <laughs> so if you got a one-star review, and I've definitely gotten plenty of one-star reviews, then you're, you're in the club. Now, there are different ways to go about this. If this one-star review is malicious and not about the book – you and your readers could definitely report it. Uh, you could ask readers to help you out and, and flag a review as not being relevant. 99% of cases, that isn't what I would recommend uh, because most people are not malicious. I would say, look at that review and I would internalize, I, I would try to go beyond the emotions, and of course I get upset when I see a one-star review, but I would try to go beyond the emotions and see what it is that reader is saying. And this is a great opportunity to learn when you write your next book, or you can actually change your ebook at any time if you want to go back and fix something that's wrong. Uh, in a small scale, you can do that. You can even relaunch your book in the future. There's a million opportunities, and you can learn from what that one-star review has has said. So what do you do to uh, say you have five reviews and one of them is a one-star and it really brings down your average? This means you got to go out and get more reviews. You got to get more reviews that are representative of how good your book is. And that may mean connecting more with your readers to try to get more of them to leave honest reviews. That may mean you have to build your audience so that you can get more honest, genuine reviews over time. But I would, for the most part, use it as a learning experience, use it as kind of a Hey, you, you, you made it past this uh, milestone in your <laughs> career, and and for the most part, just say, I'm not going to worry about it. Cool, I love that. You know, you have an audience out there who needs you. There are going to be some people who don't agree with you, and I would say getting those one star reviews, uh, as long as not all the comments are one stars, because that would mean maybe there's something wrong with the quality of the book or the topic and who it's for and whatnot. But you know, if you get a few of them, just realize that you know, hey, like you've created a book that has some boldness to it 
so bold that, yes, it's going to help a lot of your audience, but also that there are people out there who are not going to agree. I would say that if you tried to write books that would please everybody, you're not actually writing a great book. So um, I think this is a perfect way to end, end the conversation today, Brian. This has been really helpful. We've gotten into the weeds of a lot of things that we don't really even talk about or think about as book marketers. And I'm just so appreciative of you coming on and sharing your wisdom here today. And I want to mention that link one more time, bestpageforward.net slash SPI. If you want to check out more of what Brian's got going on there and get some help with your own uh, book descriptions. Um, and uh, any any final words of advice for us, Brian, as we dive into Amazon land with our books? I know that it can be scary to have a book out there and to create your first book, but I think that particularly because you have the opportunity, so many opportunities to promote your books on Amazon itself, you, you, Amazon it just generally being the number one place for buyers, if you are generating leads or trying to find a new source of passive income, writing a book about the thing you are the expert at and putting it online and following all this advice that we talked about today mm. is such a good move for your business. And you are going to make amazing connections from the readers who find you on Amazon. I would say if you've been on the fence about writing a book, go out and do it because it can be so beneficial to your business, your company, your service, whatever it is you're trying to do. I love it. Thank you, Brian. So bestpageforward.net slash SPI. Where else might people find you and, and where would you want them to go? I likewise have a weekly podcast where myself and my co-host Jim Kukrell, we discuss the latest news, the latest tips in the publishing world. That is the Sell More Book Show podcast. And obviously, anywhere you're subscribed to Smart Passive Income, you can also find the uh, Sell More Book Show there as well. We're up there every Wednesday. Go check us out. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. We appreciate you and uh, good luck with everything. Thanks, Pat. Happy writing. Woo, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Brian Cohen. You can find him at bestpageforward.net slash SPI. Again, bestpageforward.net slash SPI. You can also download his podcast, Sell More Books Show. And this is a really, really useful episode for me in particular because I have a book coming in the near future, a brand new book, one that I've been working on for quite a while. That's all I'm going to say about that. But I'm definitely going to be using a lot of the strategies that we talked about in today's episode and in previous episodes of the podcast related to books. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to have to re-listen to all those things and this episode too. So make sure you subscribe if, if you haven't already. Now, if you want to get all the links to all the other episodes about books and check out the links to Brian's stuff and also get everything else we mentioned in this particular episode, all you have to do is go to the show notes page, which you can do by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 338. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 338. Thank you so much in advance for all the reviews on iTunes. And until next week, Keep killing it, guys. You guys are amazing. Keep up the great work. You guys are action takers or else you wouldn't be listening to this show. And if you've made it this far, just after this episode's done, just do. Just just do. Go and do. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.
So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it. 